0: get started i guess uh so hey everyone this is jonathan i'm here with rich and uh this is the grow podcast we are just here to have fun and share our musings and i'm here with rich who's one of my dearest friends in the world and over the last 10-15 years he and i have just always had these amazing conversations and we decided let's just record them and put them out as a podcast so um Rich, welcome. Glad to have you here, brother. Why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Hey, yeah. uh, everybody. Uh, my name is Rich Goulette. Um I've been in uh, California most of my life. I'm married for over 27 years to my wife, Lisa. We've got three great kids together uh, and two dogs. And uh, we've just been going through life watching... Um, Uh, you know, our own relationships, you know, ebb and flow and and our kids grow. And so it's been exciting to be part of that had mostly a um, Catholic upbringing and that pivoted to um, more of a Protestant and then evangelical delineation, um, where I really got fired up for, for God and doing some great things with some great mentors. And over the course of time, you know, um, also working in the tech world, um, you know, obviously got a chance to hook up with Jonathan, where we got to share ideas conflicting thoughts and um, kind of just trying to figure out the best way to make the world work and how do we make sense of it? How do we look at a variety of topics? Um, We definitely mostly agree on a lot of things, but we also kind of, I would say, uh, you know, sharpen each other on on other aspects as well. So, you know, um, just enjoying life and trying to, you know, make the most of it.
0: That's awesome, brother. Um, So I'm Jonathan Brink and uh, give you a little background of myself. I am a family man. That's kind of how I would first characterize myself. I love my family. I have six kids, a blended family. So I'm technically a Brady Bunch. And um, (laughs) I live in Northern California and I am in user experience for a software company. So, which is ironic because most of my life has been about kind of discovering what does it mean to be human And that's really what has always attracted me to Rich, is we like discussing ideas of what it means to be human, growing. We talk a lot about theology, science, business. We've had these amazing conversations around capitalism, communism, what kind of world we want to live in, what do we want to do for our kids, what is the meaning of God, all these great conversations. And I thought, what if we just put all these down into a podcast because I think they're interesting and it's probably just going to be the two of us, but who knows, somebody else may find this valuable. So we just wanted to put it out there. Um, So the format that we created was actually pretty simple that we wanted to just discuss topics that we thought were valuable. And so we each came with a question that we wanted to start with. And I thought, Rich, why don't you kick things off with yours? Because yours is a fantastic question. I absolutely love your question this time because it's very deep. We're starting and kicking it into high gear today. Why don't you start off with your question and then we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, well, thanks, Jonathan. And, you know, we could have started with, you know, is drinking pH, alcohol, and high water good for you better, better than that? It is. That. Um, it is. And- yeah, is ice? Are <laughs> ice baths really, really good for you? Um, maybe we can talk about more um, pragmatic things down the road. What's but, the
0: best uh, Cabernet in the world? Yeah. You know, we can talk about, about great things.
1: <laughs> exactly. I, I think that the thing about this point that resonated with me is, and it's exactly what Morpheus tells Neo in The Matrix. And he talks about this thing that's bothering him, that's in his mind's eye. It's a splinter. And I think that the more we look at the world, uh, especially in a postmodern framework, where we're kind of under the purview that we know God lives out there, He's objective, but we just can't see that. Uh, the world we live in is so subjective and so dichotomous that you'd have to um, you have to ask yourself what's really going on. And so when you look at the buildup of COVID and the idea of global warming and the idea of Ukraine and you know, you've got the great reset with World Economic Forum and Davos, there just seems to be a lot of these great narratives that are coming to, to, to fruition that we don't seem to necessarily be a part of. What I'm saying is that if you look at going back to the matrix, which I think is the best kind of fundamental understanding of are we actually in the simulation is you've got people on one side of the equation that know what's going on. These people live in the real world and hopefully everybody who is watching this um, understands or listen to this understands the nature of the matrix. Maybe we'll have to flesh that out. Jonathan, you let me know. Um, let's just assume. Uh, on the other side of the equation are people that live in the matrix, which is a computer programmed idea that was created by AI and machines to help them grow humans, which are all attached to these battery types of, of objects and actually power the AI machine itself inclu- including a whole bunch of robots that kind of keep order in the world. So um, what I'm getting by that by if you look at today's day and age you can actually look at the world we live in and you can say January 6th on one side of the equation was an absolute uh, disgrace it actually was uh, according to some people worse than 9-11 it was one of the greatest tragedies, the greatest violations of our democracy in our history of our nation over 250 years. On the other side of the equation, you got a lot of people who say uh, bullshit. Um, yeah, there was some bad shit that happened. It was bad news. There was definitely some doors being busted out. But look at all the footage of this QAnon shaman being walked around the actual Capitol building, just actually minding his own business. And there's actually even a footage now of him saying, hey, just heard from Trump do not do anything violent, right? So now you can say there's a pick, cherry picking here and there, but if you go to Twitter, you literally see that there's two kinds of worldviews and a bunch of stuff in between. The other thing I wanted to mention, and maybe this is just worth reading, is there's there, there seems to be a sense of, of, of a movement to transhumanism and, and a nihilistic worldview where we're actually looking at being less human and being more binary. And this is a huge thing in terms of the transgenderism movement, if you ask me, because people are now using their mind to determine the nature of who they are, as opposed to their physical bodies, right? There's something going on in in certain uh, um, categories of of, of folks. And some people call it body dysmorphia. There's a lot of other things going on. But what I'm getting at is there's a lot of movement, it seems to me, towards VR and AI. And, And if you think about you know, augmented reality, there's a push to having an environment that is not real. So I sent you a a link to an article where you see a guy online and he's absolutely depressed. All he sees, uh, he's he's living with his parents, he's depressed, he wants to kill himself. And all he sees when he goes online, especially with TikTok, is beautiful men, beautiful women, Mm -hmm. everybody's perfect, and he knows that that's not right. So that, there you go, right? You actually almost have uh, you know an evidence of this long thread where you can actually see there's something wrong with the world. There's a groaning if you wanna to go to Romans, right? If you go to the Bible, the, all of creation is groaning. And I feel like we're, we're reaching a tipping point where something's gotta break through. And I don't know what that is, but that's, um, that's my idea so far of, of, of fleshing this idea out. But the
0: thesis you have is that we are in a simulation. Yes. Yeah. That and, that and, is or, and or you basically said in a your question. Notes, we yeah, you said in your notes that it comes from a
1: from a Twitter post. What was tell me the story of that? Yeah. So you've got this guy um, who basically makes the premise that everything on the modern internet is effectively fake. And he got this because he's looking at a guy that he saw, I think, on a mm-hmm. sub stack or something like that. You know, he, he's a college dropout slave tier at a job warehouse, 7,000 saved, zero talents, qualifications. This guy has basically lived his life as a nobody, and he's looking at the summation of his life, and it's worthless. So nihilism is is where you go down this path if we if we continue on this, right? So this guy talks about you know all you see are extremes. Women are attractive. Daniel Life, you know, shows a 24 graduate who lives a life that only can be described in modern fairy tale everything that they're being exposed to on this thread talks about, I mean, their dichotomies, like everybody else has it and you don't, but the the, the end of the story is, is that. Um, there needs to be an awakening to show him mm-hmm. that things are better. Right. And so what, what I'm trying to get at, and maybe I didn't, you know, I mean, th- there's a lot to digest and there's a lot to even mm-hmm. kind of postulate, but the real question is how can we prove that we're not in a simulation, you know, for instance, right. Um, and, know because we don't really know what happens when we die fully yet um and we don't really know like when we do things you know the nihilist says that there are it's all meaningless right so Mm -hmm. it'd be like if you're in a simulation and you're hooked to a battery if you're in the matrix you realize that you've got this idea of how life is supposed to be you go through it and then i guess when the when the machines are done with you you just perish right I think that there's a lot of people out there who believe that that's the kind of environment we live in, that everything external we're seeing is a, is a creation of what things should look like. And whether it's China creating you know, algorithms mm-hmm. and TikTok that serve up to you or something else is going on, it appears that there's this dichotomy that, that existed in the matrix that is real today.
0: Have you heard about the kid
1: at uh, Harvard who killed himself for
0: nihilism? as An outcome. I said, did I send you that text as well? Is that the one you sent that's me? The one. Did you oh, send yeah. me that? Yeah. Oh, yeah I did. Well, yeah, the Twitter the one additional. is a little bit different because it's talking about the concept of a simulation. But what's your concern? Let's just let's go down a rabbit hole. What is your concern if we live in a simulation? What's the fear of that? Like what's the if possibility? Because you and I have talked about the this before. Yeah. I believe we are in a simulation. You do it. But we choose Truly. it. Yeah, we choose it, yes. Right. I. We choose to live this life before we lived this life. That's my gut instinct because that makes the most sense of how if we, it takes away the question of theodicy, which is ultimately, God, why do you allow me to suffer? That I think is the question every human being wrestles with. Mm-hmm. And so, but if we choose this life, then it potentially has more meaning and then the purpose of life is to discover that meaning or purpose because i think a lot of people are now realizing you do have a purpose you just have to find it and nihilism takes the other person that's what the kid at harvard did is he basically said oh if i really do believe in nihilism that there is nothing death is actually the most liberating action i can take mm-hmm. um, i don't think you and i are actually there we i like my life i want to create meaning out of my life so what what is the tension because when you shared that with me you you were in kind of a moment of tension and a half a bottle of wine i think and you were honest it's like hey sometimes it feels like the world is going to shit if it's a simulation
1: does it matter well um so (laughs) i i think that that this is where we have to look at something core in our in our soul in our in our yep. heart would guides us right so for yep. neo there is something going on that said no this isn't right and there's something wrong with this right, right. cypher was more than willing to go back in outside from being in the real world understanding mm-hmm. what the consequences were and wanted to go back in be digitally set up again to betray mm-hmm. his own people i think in in our heart of hearts that's naivete to go back to naivete It is, it's to go back to-
0: um, In other words, is naivete not knowing you're in a simulation better or would you
1: rather know you're in a simulation? I would rather know I'm in a simulation because- There's always a striving. If, if, If it's the easy way out is to be in the simulation it's the path of least resistance. Now, maybe that's also nihilistic, right? Because again, it's the most liberating, at least according to that. I mean, the question really is, is like if you had a terrible life and you were in a coma and you were in an accident, okay. and so you were beaten as a kid, starved your whole life, okay. drugs, violence, and then you get hit and then you're in a coma, but you've got this peaceful dream for the rest of your life until they unplug you. Is, is that, is that good? And the question really comes down to is, well, what does it matter if it's if it's individual, right? And I think ontologically, if we look at it from a thirty thousand foot or what God would really want, I don't think God would really want that um, if there was an option. But what answer. do you want? What do you I, want? I want. Like, what does knowing uh, it's a simulation give you? Well, knowing it's a simulation gives me the ability to see how it could be different. Well, different can you entities. change the
0: simulation?
1: Well, that's that's the question, right? I mean, the, I mean Morpheus has this um, prophecy. He's got the, the machine. The Oracle gave him some insights that said things are going to be okay, that there is going, going to be a way. And Neo goes through five or six iterations of complete destruction and recycling all over again to end up at the one place again where he finally mm-hmm. sees something different, right? This is kind of maybe what we all hope for. All of us who've gone through life in terms of struggle or addiction or relationships always tries to figure out way, how did I screw up here? And what can I do to get to that next level to get better? In your case, where it's the God imagination, we somehow have this revealing that we've always been in the circle and God has always loved us. We've actually pushed ourselves away, right? When Jesus died on the cross, as you say, that was not God's wrath, served up against humanity and our jesus it's what we needed in order to feel good about where our own consciousness was right Mm -hmm. the the jesus death on the cross in your view of course was that um it it was for our own purposes not just in terms of a substitute or a a, a wrath or a punishment for the sin that we've done but rather to to say this is going to make us feel better we need a scapegoat we needed well we need a victim right and the question, what's and the, the answer? Yeah. What's the tension of living with a simulation?
0: Like, cause your, your conversation that we had earlier about the simulation women, well, I we've had probably a hundred conversations around simulation, but I think it's a great topic to open up and start with because it's sort of the general tension with life. Are we actually in control of this life? Cause it, the simulation discusses the concept of fate. Am I in control or not? Mm-hmm. And where would where do you think you land?
1: You're in control or you're not in control? Um I would say that if I were to lean towards one side of it or not, I would mm-hmm. say I'm less in control that I wanted to be. right When I look at my my life and I look at the things that I've you know tried to accomplish vis-a-vis the light of what success looks like, right? When you look at a mm-hmm. materialistic, financial, you know, other kinds of scenarios, you say, mm-hmm. I think I could have done better, right? And so there's a little bit of regret there. But you all, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to learn the idea that you only live in the present moment, that the regret mm-hmm. doesn't do you any good. Regret, you know, regret in getting a tattoo and, and stopping the next tattoo is probably a different kind of regret. And there's a guy mm-hmm. named Marshall Goldsmith, who's one of the greatest executive coaches, who talks about like keeping regret in the rear view mirror that can it can cause pain and suffering and fomentation Mm -hmm. right it can cause despair that's what this kid has this kid has regret right he has regret he's completely bought off on the idea that his life is worthless right he's got a shotgun this is the one that not your well the guy that i'm talking about online right now who you know is a college dropout or whatever makes you know weak money lives with his parents he is in the same mental state as the guy who from Harvard, the brilliant guy who already killed himself, Mm -hmm. right? Many years ago. So I think what I'm trying to get at is um, how do I get to myself in the headspace that literally, I mean, people talk about faking it till you make it. How do you get yourself into a headspace where you can actually manifest the idea that you are going to be fine and that, that almost faking it turns into something when you align your thoughts, like our, our friend, the, the book we're reading, when when you kind of align your heart and your mind to that same place, maybe that's what it takes to break through, mm-hmm. right? See, so. I, you and I have talked about this a long
0: time. I have come to the conclusion, and I think I've landed. I don't think I've, and a lot of this. So one quick thought you had mentioned uh, the God imagination. So for those who are listening, it's a book I wrote about uh, 13 years ago now called discovering the God imagination. And I'm not going to go down that tangent right now. So that's, I just wanted to make sure listeners knew what that was. Um, but it's a very specific way of thinking that I've come to the conclusion that we aren't in control, that everything is fate. Everything is prescripted because we chose it that way or it's the thrill like Alan Watts talked about of the unknown dream. Like you want to have it so that it's thrilling. And I think that's a central part of being life is the discovery of what you don't know. We don't know anything that's going to happen in the future, but we always experience it in the now. And so when it happens, it's, are we prepared to deal with it? And I think at the end of the day, what I've come to terms with is the only thing that matters in the present right now that really really matters like if we get what we want or don't at the end of the day it doesn't really matter what's really matters is my judgment of myself in that moment Mm -hmm. and that's the only thing that we truly can control we can control our thoughts especially about people first to myself and then to all those people that I interact with and that life is ultimately most valuable when we find the capacity that even if it is a simulation to say I'm still worth it I'm still good I still have value and I can still contribute to the world because if we don't believe that one thing I don't think we can do anything effectively everything Revolves around our dignity and our self perception. And that we can't, that's the one thing that scripture kind of talks about in the Garden of Eden, where we do actually have a choice. Everything else, they just show up to. Mm -hmm. But if we judge ourselves as good or evil in the moment at any time, because that can waver, that can change, that can, and that's why when, if we're sitting in the idea of we're, In a simulation, it's like, well, I got fucked. Like like when I lost my job at Charles Schwab, I got wrongfully terminated. But that's life. How are you going to handle it? Mm -hmm. And that's the hard part about the concept of a simulation is sometimes (laughs) it's a roller coaster that sucks. Mm -hmm. And how do we learn as human
1: beings to deal with it? So it sounds to me that according to you, that mm-hmm. it doesn't matter for in a simulation or not. No. Be- because technically, I mean, y- you believe that we are actually already in our own simulation. Now, what's I interesting is, is that that version of the simulation isn't necessarily hooked up to a machine and turning us into batteries. That's a different no, kind of simulation, no. right? We've, no. we've created our own simulation, it's... our own idea, and it's a perception that we're inherently broken or, or wrong, and we're not really fully loved by God, at least a lot of us. And once we break like I... through that and realize yeah. that. Yeah, I don't NBC. care. But sorry, go ahead, finish. No, no, no,
0: that's it. I, I was just trying to. I don't care if the Garden Eden is true. I I care if the narrative of you are here for freedom and joy and to discover. Like if you really listen to what like I I don't know if Genesis, the creation story in Genesis is true or real. But I know it communicates deeply insightful things. Mm-hmm. And it's true. It, the it, things... it, it's
1: true in that regard that it that what, what it's trying to express is real. Yes. Uh, th- yes. We're not asking for scientific kind of, uh, you right. know. I don't care. Yeah. Exactly. i way, right. I'm
0: way past that. I don't need that anymore. I don't yes. need
1: it to be real.
0: I just need it to be true. Because exactly. in true, it tells me you are worth it and you have freedom, but you're going to encounter life. Like, I think the tree of knowledge is the here and now, every single moment of our life. That's what I think. That's what I discovered is it's a simulation, but in every single moment, you only have really one question that, may, that makes sense, it is are you good or are you evil? That's the only thing that you have control over. And life is going to throw you through the blender. You know, going back to when I lost my job at Charles Schwab, I was my world was wrecked because of my expectation. Oh, I had this new path; I'd only been there two months. It was a freaking phenomenal job, and then boom, the rug got pulled out from under me. But you didn't and think you were evil in that fall, in that, and that, and that no. But I wondered because the natural inclinations of negative events is God, where the fuck are you? Of course, that's the, that's the, that's the theodicy question. Yep. And so, and, and guess what? That always happens in the here and now doesn't happen in the future. It doesn't happen in the past. It happens in the here and now when that, I remember being on the train, when I got the call and saying, you're being released from your contract. They no longer want you to work. You're done. Don't come to work tomorrow. And I was like, Oh, life just threw me a fastball. And I remember we were going to a Luke Bryan concert at Shoreline and I show up and I'm with some friends. My sister happened to be there and I was like, holy shit. And in previous lives, I would have been like, oh my God, the world's burning. You don't love me. God doesn't love me. But in that moment, because I wasn't 12, I was 53 at the time, I think, or 52. The one, you know, I wasn't starting from scratch. At that moment, I was able to say, okay, God, you threw me in the blender, but maybe there's something to learn here. And that's how we transpose what we think is evil into good, is we take it, we wrestle with it, we sit with it, we breathe with it, we let it run through our body, like, holy shit. And then we realize, oh, my God, the universe actually knows what it's doing in my life, in the simulation, because guess what? I always come out. If I stick with this idea that I am still valuable in that moment, this energy is created inside of me that says you can make it through it. Yeah. And that to me is what makes life worth living. And I, I honestly, I don't ever want to go through that experience again. I don't seek those experiences out. Mm -hmm. I don't seek negative experiences out. What I'm actually learning now through a lot of people in my life, especially on Instagram that I'm learning about is the idea of creating controlled negative experiences. Like the new big thing is ice baths. Exactly. I'm intrigued by it, but you're putting your body in a state of, of holy shit. This is really, I haven't done it yet. I want to do it because I'm training my body to handle stress in a controlled environment so that when I'm in it, stress moment like getting fired I um, can handle it yeah and that's how we do that's what i right
1: yeah totally i um, uh, plugged for both Pete's coffee for Ethiopian <laughs> supernatural which comes out uh, two months before it did today and then for ice pod ice pod I just bought an ice pod you um, did yeah so it, it's Sweet. so you can spend a lot of money on these baths Yeah, you, you can use a lot of ice and this is very cheap it was 150 bucks and it's have you done it yet? I, it's going to be arriving in the next couple of weeks and i've had why some did terrible you do that i did it mostly because i was tired of the inflammation that i've had in my elbows um some kind of pre-arthritis i don't know what it is but no matter what i do i can't get away from it and so this is a tangent we'll just say for now Um no so i think this is actually places. a really good tangent finish this because i have my side of that go ahead Well, no, the side of this is when you decide to go and take the red pill, you are choosing the ice bath, you are choosing Mm -hmm. the glop, you're choosing real pain and death, and you're choosing uh, um, kind of an unknown. And it's because there's something in you that says this will be better. Now, again, ice bath is just a microcosm of of this, and it's probably Mm -hmm. very um, inconsequential in terms of greater like salvation of humanity. That's what Mm Neo is trying to do. But I think like, if we think about atomic habits, it's one of those things, right? So we look at things like meditation, which can at first be really challenging, right? Oh my God, I've been doing this for 20, 15 minutes and I I can't focus Mm -hmm. on my breath, right? And then you realize those Mm -hmm. last five, you you break through. Mm -hmm. I spent the same way. And in fact, you you, you learn not only to spend two or three or four minutes there, but it gets easier every time. And then the benefits are supposed to be incredible, right? Um, Flexibility. Brown fat that helps you with your microchond- mitochondria, um, mood, mm-hmm. dopamine, etc. So yep. um, it's not just a fad. I think it really has done some amazing things. So I think that choosing the red pill and going down those things that 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 that, that stress us, train us, and prepare us for what the world gives us is our, in our own way, our ability to be the best version of ourselves in that space, regardless of whether we're in a simulation or not. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Like
0: we can't determine. I can't determine if I'm actually in a simulation. Although I think people who have taken like DMT and ayahuasca would absolutely say yes, we're in simulation because you realize you can step out of it. But normal ninety nine point nine 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 percent of life, you don't get a you don't get evidence whether or not it's really. You have to make a decision. Um, And what I'm learning back to my point about what you my side is I'm I just finished a sixty day intermittent fasting and i'm going to keep going nice. good and i lost 30 pounds 60 days and, and you did you do the the eight hours where you go from 12 to I eight. know i um, eight, i did 12 to six uh we six usually have dinner around six yeah it was typically six to seven hours so i would not eat so my regimen was simple i uh, would wake up i would have a glass of water mm-hmm. uh because water doesn't break the fast and Correct. um and you need to replenish your water supply. That's the thing is I realized, prick, I am so dehydrated. I am so dehydrated. So I would start with a glass of water. That's become a practice. Uh, I cut out coffee. I was doing tea for a while, but I realized I'm tea gets boring to me. I need. I love coffee, uh, but water actually was more fulfilling. Then I would wait until noon. At noon, I would have a protein shake. And I think that's the thing that contributed most to, to my fat loss is my body was getting the nutrients. I, I love carbs. I'm a terrible eater, I love to cook, and so I'm always indulging. And by, But what I did is intermittent fasting put my body into a stress state during those 18 hours. So my protein shake would never fill me up. And it was a big one. Um, it was muscle milk, protein powder, banana, and sugar-free chocolate. And that would carry me. But what happened is, is that um, I would get to dinner And in the first week, I was fairly, um, I was okay, but I was like, yeah, this is tough. And then I would have my dinner and I am a massive snacker. Like Mm. I love going to my pantry at eight o'clock at night and having two chips and three chocolate covered raisins and a piece of salami. I graze really tiny pieces, but it adds up almost to a full meal. And I cut all that out. And then I would go to bed and all of a sudden, after about 14 days, I started sleeping a lot better. And I mm. lost 10 pounds in the first three days because it was all wow. inflammation. That's well, it's all inflammation. Inflammation comes from too much sugars in your system. That's just mm. the reality. And I had been inflaming my body for
1: 25 years.
0: Well, and, on my side,
1: that could be alcohol too, because I don't eat a lot totally. of sweets. I don't, um, I mean, I'll have some dark chocolate, right? But, yeah, but um,
0: Cabernet yeah. is just straight sugar, bro. It's like, and and that's what I did. I also cut out alcohol a lot. I still eat alcohol on Saturday nights because I enjoy yep. it with my friends. I didn't yep. want to go militant. I wanted to do this in a healthy way. And the most important thing I think I did is I began that intermittent fast by saying I'm worth it. Mm. And believe it or not, I never really struggled. And I wonder why in post-response, is that what gave me the true energy i started with this idea that i am 55 years old and i've never done anything like this and i like the idea of fasting is not my lifestyle i but you know what i can honestly say after 60 days all of a sudden i started fasting and which is a stress on the body that's what it is yeah. i lost 30 pounds now this morning or yesterday morning i weighed myself I was 222 And I started at 255 and I'm like, maybe there is something to this idea of stressing your body as a productive process. And I think getting back to the simulation, it's like, if we are, can we still make the simulation work for us? Because that was Alan Watts idea of, you know, God is having a dream and in the dream, it's always going to be a little bit of a close shave. You, like, oh, I got through that one, but that's what makes life thrilling. That's what makes like now. Charles Schwab let me go, and two months later, I ended up finding the best job I've ever had. So things we never know in the moment what we is really going to happen in the future, but in that moment, if I'm beating the shit out of myself. And I'm like, you suck because you. Lied. it was all your fault and we run to guilt and shame. I'm realizing that doesn't work. That doesn't work. Mm. It's finding the grace in the moment to say, no, one, I'm good. I'm worth it. Even if this is in a simulation, how do I make the most of it? It begins with dignity. It begins with going back to the tree of knowledge and saying, no, life is shitty but it is still worth it because I'm worth it. And in that moment, I can make meaning out of virtually any negative event because the only thing that really matters is my dignity and how I self-perceive myself. Can I love myself in that moment? And when I can love myself in any moment, I can get through absolutely anything. When I lose sight of my dignity,
1: that's when everything goes haywire. I love that example. And what you actually do is you um, you firm up this point with, uh, i mentioned atomic habits earlier. One of the things that um, when you're trying to do is create a new habit or break an old one is there's three methodologies to it, right? There's outcomes, there's process, and there's being. And the reason why so many people fail is they focus only on the outcomes. They focus Mm -hmm. on losing a a pound or two, or Mm -hmm. they they do a process, but they don't think about where they're going to be. So in terms of where um, Mr. Clear comes from in this book, he says, I I am a non-smoker. If you're trying to quit, you ontologically call yourself a non-smoker. You don't talk about, I'm trying to not to smoke anymore. In your Mm -hmm. case, you all, you, you valued your being, I'm worth this that mm-hmm. w- is what anchored you to help you get through all of the discomfort of the of the stomach you know the lack of yeah. energy all these types of things mm-hmm. and you looked at the ontological the being I mean we all know that metaphysics being right. ontology is is the highest level right mm-hmm. Be, you know before Abraham was I am right Jesus says that in, in you know in John 858 he's going back to what Yahweh said to, to Moses who should I say you know sent me I am mm-hmm. that I am I am, mm-hmm. I, I I, am the essence, right? And so when you can anchor to that true nature, you're going to be able to overcome any kind of, and, and you could call it spin, or you, you don't call it spin, but like dignity, you mm-hmm. can take dignity too, right? So I think it's brilliant. You, you did that. I don't know if you read Atomic Habits, but you did it. Oh, I um, love that book. Of course. Okay, good. So yeah, you're, you're right there. And that's why you were successful. But you also did something crazier. Um, most people start that are beginners with intermittent fasting go maybe 12 hours on, 12 hours off, or they'll do the 12 to eight, which is eight hours of eating and a 16 hour window of not eating. You went advanced, you went six hours, six hour window. <laughs> and then within that I, six hour window, it's not like, hey, let's gorge on on in and out burger, pizza, right. whatever. It's like, no, start off with that shake. And I think- So here's the balance.
0: You, yeah, you know, Here's the balance of that though is that was why the protein shake was really a good transition for me because I've never done protein shakes in my life. Okay. Okay. But it created this good middle balance between giving my body these really good proteins. And, uh, as long as I didn't cheat in the window, the 18 hour window, I could pretty, and I had that shake for lunch. I could pretty much enjoy some light snacking in the middle of the afternoon and then anything I wanted for dinner. For dinner, I yeah, could have I carbs. I, like I wasn't really technically doing keto in that. I was, cause I cut out a lot of carbs, but I was eating normal, healthy meals. And if I wanted to have potatoes, if I wanted to have potato chips or heavy beans or anything that's high carb, it didn't matter. No, of course as not. As long as because my body was saying, you're not overloading me it was always about balance. It wasn't about stopping consumption because I've done keto. Keto's hard. It's terrible. When you really remove carbs so much, you lose the value. I love food. Like that's the thing as my life opens up more and more every day as I begin staying on this course, I'm realizing, damn, I love food, but I don't need food to go. Like I would have, the thing that I would do is, uh, that's another thing, is I literally cut my calorie intake in half by doing this. That was the most, probably the most important thing. Calorie
1: deprivation. Absolutely. Yes.
0: But I didn't cut out the things that were meaningful from a flavor standpoint. Like I, I, I started getting on Instagram and we were uh, learning how to cook meals and I was cooking all these incredible dishes and they were indulgent, but I wasn't having two or three servings. Mm. Like, I, I, I realized, and, and that kind of dovetails. this is a total tangent, but I, I'm going to bring it back around. This last year, so this is for the listeners, this last eight years, I was in survival mode. And last year was about me coming out of that survival mode. And what I realized is, is that I stuffed my face, like every time I would eat, I would eat till I was full, like full. And I was getting way too many calories. And I realized I was doing that because I was depressed. I had been Mm -hmm. living in this survival mode and and eating was a way of making me feel good. Mm -hmm. So I was destroying the thing that I love because food is so damn good, but Mm -hmm. I don't need three servings of it. And Mm -hmm. I'm not fat by any means. I'm six foot three and I can carry weight. Damn! Now I feel so much better being thirty yeah. pounds lighter, yeah. and so it it ultimately comes down to. I think this is a simulation or a simulation, but it's so. Then what? How do we live in this simulation? And it goes back to because I love the Matrix conversation because I think that's ultimately what you know. Was it Jesus who said uh, it was? Was Jesus who Paul said, "Be in the world but not out of the world."
1: Yeah. The matrix is the
0: world Corinthians Colossians. Yeah. It's, it's Paul. It's the apostle Paul. to the Colossians. It's we are living in the matrix, which is the world, but don't live in the world because the world checks out. That's the only way (laughs) to really deal with the suffering of life is just to check out. You get numb, you close down your heart. I don't want to do that. I like life. I want life to be vibrant. I want life to be exciting I want to be, I want life to be thrilling, but I realized the thing that does the best at helping me get through that is to hold on to this idea that I am worth it. Mm -hmm. And the more that I do that living in a simulation doesn't hurt as much.
1: 100%.
0: Yeah. I think that's it, dude. I think that was the first episode. Yeah. That was freaking phenomenal. I liked how this went a lot. Yeah, I really do. So um, any final closing thoughts?
1: No, um, you know, uh, I think it was a good first start. You know, we're going to continue to work through this. I think we'll have some, I, I, I love the idea at the heart of it. Um, as we, if we want to summarize, believe in your own dignity. If you're going to, if you're going to make it through this world, you have to start with your own relationship to God, the universe and the dignity that you have you cannot uh, we are, i mean you can't love others until you love yourself right that's a pretty common yes! that's a pretty common phrase right how how else to do that and then to again a, a byproduct of that is to put yourself in the situations where you can challenge yourself so that you can be prepared for the things that come at you to keep that dignity intact The world or whatever is, maybe the enemy is trying to deplete us of our dignity. This poor guy online, both the guy who killed himself and the guy who's living Mm -hmm. with his parents, the the dignity is gone. The the hope is gone. That needs to be reinvigorated. And and if we come together and we start having these conversations with ourselves, with community, with a greater group of people, and we have a consciousness that understands this, that's when we're going to be able to change the world. And we need it. We need it badly right now.
0: And I think that goes back to your first point about simulation is sometimes the world just looks like it's going to hell in a handbasket and it's hard. It's because there's a lot of evidence that the simulation still sucks. And when we swim against that stream, it's a better way of living because it's easy to get sucked into um,
1: depression. And I don't want that. How do, how do we look at Silicon Valley banks collapse, right? And oh my God, that, that's another
0: conversation, another Total conversation. distraction. Oh my God, we, maybe we should <laughs> save that for next one. We will. The, the downfall of capitalism. So, um, yeah. so brother, it was awesome. This was perfect. Uh, yeah. To the listeners out there, thank you for joining us. This has been a wonderful first experience because I really feel like you guys got a flavor of the best of us. So much love to everyone out there. Uh, Thank you for listening to the grow podcast. We love you and we'll see you soon.